0: The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. We're bringing you the electrical industry experts you need to hear to discuss the topics you need to know about. So guys, before we get into the meat and bones of today's show, let's just do a quick introduction to our guests. Deepak, do you want to do that? Who you are, where you're
1: from? Thanks, Adam. So my name is Deepak Sharad. I'm the Marketing and offer development manager for the commercial circuit protection offer in Schneider Electric. Been with the business for 15 years, um, spent most of it looking after circuit protection products. So I've been heavily involved in uh, consumer units, distribution boards, uh, and the likes. Perfect. Kieran, how about yourself?
2: Yeah, so my name is Kieran White. I'm the uh, category manager for residential circuit protection, which includes the Easy Nine and the Easy Nine Compact. Uh, I've been in the electrical industry for 30 years now. And in that time, I've I've sat at most seats around the table, design, install, service, maintenance, and uh, worked in wholesale as well. And I've been with Schneider and Ettrick for seven years now. Brilliant stuff. Appreciate it, guys.
0: So you guys know I get involved in the electricians group, our Facebook group. And I've recently had the pleasure of playing with the Easy9 Compact Consumer Unit. Slightly out my depth in terms of what it does, but I'm learning because the audience knows I'm not a spark. But Part of this spurred the conversation on in terms of what is the history of the consumer unit. So, I wanted to use this podcast to educate me and educate anyone that's interested in the community on the history and evolution of the fuse board. So, Deepak, I'm going to throw it across to yourself. Where do we get started with this conversation?
1: And I think this, this topic or this conversation starts well before my time. You know, many, many of our audience will be really familiar with um, very elaborate um fuse boards or actually cabinets at the time. You know, really well made, really well sort of uh put together wooden cabinets that used to house uh this level of uh protection many, many, many years ago and, and, and many years before I sort of came into this industry. Kieran, I'm I'm sure you may uh be familiar <laughs> with some of these uh products uh through your time time served on tools.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I mean as Deepek said, the the, the the original fuse boards would we'll call that because they had a, a fuse carrier and uh, which sat on, in the board and then into the fuse carrier was uh, a fuse that you wound um, rewirable fuse wire onto it. So you used to get um, fuse wire cards from the, um, from the news agents or the hardware shop. So if you fuse blue, it's where it came from, the fuse wire, too much current would flow through this fuse wire and melt the fuse wire. So then you take out the cartridge, rewire the bit of um, fuse wire for the five amp lighting circuit, say, and replace it in the carrier. Now that carrier would then, as Deepak said, would sit on a wooden back frame. So you've actually, you know, you look at where the regulations are now; it's where they started. You had a combustible material <laughs> that these, you know, that this um, high intensity fault would occur with the potential for heat, and um, and when the actual uh, fuse wire melts you have um, shards of hot metal molten metal which is contained within the carrier but potentially you have ignition point and you have a fuel so you have you know some ingredients there for um, for a potential um, potential fire but at the time it's what we knew it's what was available it was the safest way to, to 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 break the electrical supply in the case of an overload or a short circuit.
0: Makes sense. So combustion next to kindling sounds like a great idea.
2: <laughs> yes, and I like, that's a nice term that is actually. Sounds like a barbecue.
0: Just one for me out of curiosity because I know personally how useless i am at home diy and stuff like that when you say we used to actually replace that wire would that be an electrician that would come in or would the homeowner at that point know to go to the cabinet and replace that wire themselves who's doing that job
2: oh that's that's, i mean okay if you're looking back then it it would you would have been the um the homeowner it's not you know because these cards were about 50 pence from the hardware and they'd have about just six inches worth of maybe 10 inches worth of 30 amp fuse wire and uh, the same length of 15 amp fuse wire and probably a little bit more of the, of the five amp fuse wire because the lighting circuits used to tend to go quite a quite often and it would be the the homeowner who would replace that um, and the reason why the lighting used to go quite a bit is because we used to have the, the whole 100 watt um, tungsten filament lamps that when the light bulb used to go for a very split second they used to draw they go to very low resistance, so they draw more current than they normally do, and that over that, that that higher level of current would then cause the fuse to blow. So yeah, I mean, back then it was um, it was a case of the the homeowner would uh, would attempt to, to do the um, the fix themselves.
0: Not not to like nail a time frame on it, but roughly when are we speaking? Just for my knowledge, like when were the, when were the cabinets in place?
2: So you, you, you're talking fifties, sixties. <laughs> um and even up into the 70s i believe that these um the wooden frame uh, with a what's called paxlin or um bakelite face so the bakelite is the material that used to they used to use to make the ceiling roses that we hang our lights off so it was it was the it was the, the material they used before plastics came about um and that so the, the, the back would be wood and the front would be this uh, bakelite um type uh, product. Um and it's interesting because you you look you look at where as as technology moved, the the move into um miniature circuit breakers what we have now, they actually made a plug in miniature circuit breaker to, to, to bridge the gap from your old consume unit which was rewirable, your fuse board which was rewirable. So you take the fuse carrier out and then you place this plug in M C B in as as a stopgap.
1: So Kieran, I think at that point i'm going to jump in and say so we've gone we've moved on some somewhat from a quite an elaborate wooden enclosure um and if anybody's ever had the chance to see them some of them actually look like a cabinet maker has actually constructed this in you know, a nice elaborate brass latch on the side nice uh elaborate brass hinges really sort of uh works of art we then moved on and and, and had the sort of introduction of the the wooden back plate with a baker like carrier system uh, replaceable rewireable fuses um and then i think you know we we had the introduction of the amazing miniature circuit breaker and technology moved on um so you know we started to get this fantastic device it didn't need this fuse wire it was an integrated type device where you could actually switch off the circuit but also The device would give you a level of short circuit and overcurrent protection. So, you know, we we moved on leaps and bounds in terms of the the level of protection that this this device sort of brought. Um, And then it moved again, it moved on further from that. We started to use things called RCDs. So, we had RCDs, that was more recently, uh, probably. Uh, what, what we're talking there, Kieran, probably the last um, 25 years,
2: 25 maybe.
1: Years, 20 years um, and, and, and technology evolves significantly. Um, you know, many people still refer to it as the fuse board, although we don't generally use fuses inside this piece of equipment anymore. They're generally either miniature circuit breakers or RCBOs or, uh, or RCDs. So, you know we've, we've moved on some, some significant leaps and bounds in terms of the technology and the levels of protection that are really incorporated into this system or, or this carrier system as, as it's called the consumer unit. Um, and I think um, what we can really say is that this evolution continues. Um, we're at a point now where we've, we've seen wooden enclosures they evolved to some sort of hybrid of a wooden backplate, baker-like fronts. Um, and then we went to an insulated consumer unit. Kieran, you're going to be familiar with that one, I'm sure. You must have installed hundreds. <laughs> well, more commonly known
2: as, as, as the plastic consumer unit. So we went from the, the wooden backplate then to the the plastic um, consumer unit. And yeah, as, as Deepak said, you know, I used to work with a local authority in the Midlands and in hundreds and hundreds of, of these consumer units and you know they, they were there were a massive step up from the um, the fuse box as we knew it um, a lot easier to fit the, the, the fact that you had the, the you know, they were made of plastic they were designed so you could have the cutouts easily um, you could you, you could cut out openings in the side of the board for cable access you had cable access in the bottom. They were light because they were made of a, a extruded, um pvc hard and pvc not exactly sure exactly what you know what it was made of but generally they they were quite pleasant to fit because they had sufficient space and they were nice and light and manageable to 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 fit on the wall um and it, it was a massive improvement
0: just a quick question from me what is forcing the innovation in this space because you just mentioned two or three innovations were around the times when the, these fuse boards or circuit boards changed. Was it down to regulation? Was it cheaper, faster? What was the, the motivator behind the industry improving this product? What forced it all?
2: All the way along, the, the, the regulations in the UK uh, are bound by the BS 7671 electrical installation standards, um, which are more commonly known as the 18th edition. And these are a set of standards, and they start, as as I've said that it's 18th edition. So over the the decades, we've had revision, amendment, 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 revision. So it keeps updating. And every time it updates or has an amendment, it's always to have, um, it's always based on an increase in safety. So where we had back in the 50s, 60s, we didn't have the technology available for these miniature circuit breakers, or the technology was available but to get it into a small compact variant, um, to get it into a domestic environment, um, technology allowed us to do that as we move forward. I mean, you think of a lot of technologies that we have in day-to-day life now, most of them or a vast majority would have started in the commercial sector. So, you know, starting the commercial sector where you have a demand and you have the, uh, the resource to develop to, to, to make that efficiency at a commercial level. But then as we, as we see, um, as productivity goes up and uh, volumes go up, we get, a, um, we get that technology moved down into the more everyday mainstream. And that's what we saw with um, electrical safety and, and, and mentioned circuit breakers. Because for the miniature circuit break that we know, 18 millimetre wide as a standard, previous to that in the commercial world, there used to be about 35, 40 millimetres wide. So that was in the commercial world they shrunk that down and then they gave us the access to, to where we are now.
1: Well, I think Kieran, would you agree that, um, you know, I think essentially we're talking about circuit protection here and um, and the fundamental sort of principles that sit behind this is always about delivering that energy or that electricity in a safe way. Safety is is inherent in, in when we talk about circuit protection. You know, it's one of the key sort of um, elements of these devices is safety. And I'd say um, the, the wiring regulations always try and improve and try and increase the level of safety that's sort of brought in through these measures in terms of whether it's um, through your installation or whether it's through the the people that are using this uh, the, the system or are in that space where the ins- the system is installed, I think one of the things that as an industry we we, we try and do, is always try and improve and increase safety. Um, you know the technology levels have improved such that we can now provide short circuit, overcurrent, uh, overload, over voltage protection. You know there's there's combination and, and multiple devices that are available now that many many years were not available to us. Just to
0: pull back to one of the things that you mentioned, Kieran, and this is just, I guess, a question for me. Would you say it's fair to say that at Schneider, then you spend a lot of time, energy, and resource in the commercial space, make it work there, R&D goes there, and then you use that learning to try and bring it into residential?
2: No, not really. So, we're, we're, you know, because we're market leaders in um, circuit protection, it's across the width of the, the offer, whether it's in commercial, industrial. So anyway, so we're talking about a residential offer here, but within Schneider Electric, we do commercial, we do industrial, we do mains distribution equipment, which um, we're talking HV transformers. We're talking uh, distribution, not just around a house, but around a neighborhood, around a, a city, around a country. So we, our product um spans the whole width of electrical distribution so it's you know it's technology yes we've found some ideas um but generally the, the ideas all come together to, to make the um the most uh safe the most safe and efficient um product for the market
1: i'm going to jump in there here and say i'm sure that you've spent uh, a lot of time in uh, investing in uh, bringing sort of new offers to market. I'm I'm sure I'm going to hear a lot more from you around this compact consumer unit you've got to talk about.
2: No, absolutely. Um, but it's you know as as I'm said, it's it's interested about the, the evolution of where we come from and where we go uh, where we are now and where we go. Um, the the interesting thing I just want to pick up on the um, increase in safety. You have to realize when houses were wired back in the 50s and 60s, they had one twin socket in the living room and they had one twin socket in the kitchen with a cooker point with a socket on. So the amount of outlets that were available to people in homes back then was limited. So it actually kind of limited the amount of potential for uh, an accident or a fault to occur. But where we are now, um, people have their houses rewired. They have sockets every couple of meters along the wall. They have multiple lighting points in a room as opposed to one ceiling rose. So the safety's had to increase as well because we've had more um, electrical systems designed and installed into homes as well.
0: I guess the safety is one thing and the efficiency is another. But I think, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been involved with the the electricians group on Facebook and we managed to get our hands on this brand new Easy9 Compact consumer unit. So let's just take the the benefits of safety, efficiency, tick the box. What was it that drove you guys to want to reduce the size? What was the thinking behind that?
2: The couple of main drivers, really. Um, the first one is 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 as a energy management company, um, and as actually the UK has mandated, get into net zero by 2050. That means the current housing stock within the UK circus 26 million homes will have to have a an amount of work done in each home to enable that to get to to reach to get to 20, uh, to net zero. Now, that could be um, thermal insulation, of the walls. It could be additional loft insulation. It could be external insulation embedded onto the fabric of the building. But absolutely, definitely what will happen is we'll have to make more efficiency of the energy that we have available within the home that's a given because with the with the advent of um, electric vehicle charging that's going to put more demand on our nation- nationwide infrastructure our local infrastructure in our neighborhood and the infrastructure within our home so we may get to a point where we're only instead of being at the moment where we can draw pretty much as much energy as you want it's a loose term but in a, in a home we can plug in the cooker we can plug in a you know, a a kettle and it doesn't trip out generally. Um, It could be that we get to a point where, you know, the, 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 the supply authorities, you know, you've only got this much amount of energy because of the amount of products um, that, uh, and the amount of energy that's being used. So the drive, so the reason why we looked at the compact uh, consuming is to, to get those houses up to net zero by 2050, those properties, we're going to have to be looking at um, upgrades, rewires, um, and then so the 26 million houses are out there, existing houses, vast majority of those consumers are already under stairs or they're in, um, uh, in cupboards where space is a very limited factor or a very, uh, yeah, very limited factor. So that the compact consumer, does what it says in the box. It's of that compact nature where you've got sufficient outgoing circuit space and it will, um, allow you to fit it in a, in a retrofit, in a, uh, an upgrade situation.
1: Along with all of the new technologies that we're talking about, hey, Kieran. So we're, we're talking miniature circuit breakers, RCBOs, surge protection. And I'm sure there's some new stuff that's coming along the, the journey because um, I, can, I can sort of share with you uh, as an audience now is that the, the, the topics that I'm working on in the commercial space is very much linked to connectivity, energy efficiency, resilience, you know, the, these are really key topics and uh, and they will start to filter through into, into the residential space. Um, Deepak,
0: sorry to interrupt, what, what, just define connectivity for me. As a homeowner, layman,
1: what does that mean when it comes to the consumer unit? And that's a, a fantastic question because we, we in our industry, we, we talk about connectivity. We talk about connectivity at home. And, and it can mean so many different things for so many different people, depending on the, the space that you're working in. So for example, if I'm at home, connectivity could mean me using a, a Google or Alexa device. It could mean me using um, a, an automated vacuum cleaner. But when we start to talk about the world of circuit protection, um, we as an organization in terms of Schneider Electric, have been pushing the boundaries of connectivity and bringing it into circuit protection for some time now around the commercial space. Uh, and, I, and I'm going back sort of 2013, 2015, sort of those sort of sort of time. Um, what we're really starting to bring now is connectivity that is integrated into circuit breakers. This is what's happening in, in the commercial space. Um, and this is the start of a journey. This is very much, a revolution of electrical distribution systems for for commercial environments. This is where you can start to really understand what is happening with that circuit or with that electrical distribution system. You can understand the health of that system, whether you are um, exceeding predetermined thresholds. So if your circuit operates, for example, at 30% load capacity, you you can decide to set a threshold. If it hits that threshold at, say, 40%, it will alarm or alert you so that you can take a proactive decision to go and address what the issue could be. Because bear in mind, this is before the issues occurred. So this is becoming a dynamic system similar to, uh, I'd say, you know, very much a likeness to where you wear a smartwatch. So it could be a, an iWatch. It could be a Fitbit. It could just be a general smartwatch that, that's on your wrist that buzzes and says, You haven't done enough steps today. Your heartbeat is at at this level today. You haven't had enough sleep today. And it it allows you to stay on the the top of your own health. With these systems that we're bringing to market, allow you to stay on top of the health of the electrical distribution system so that you can understand in real time what's actually happening. Are you at a near, um, near, not near miss, but if you're at a, a near problematic stage, so, are you about to hit um, a, a, a point where the device is about to disengage or trip?
0: From a commercial perspective, completely understand. I guess, and the sports listeners that do the the residential work, they'll 100% see the value in this because I I would put this in the bracket of preventative maintenance world of uh, knowing the data before it's a problem. Um, how how does an electrician today communicate the benefits of having a connected device or unit in the homeowner's house what does the homeowner benefit from all this
2: if you think about electrician today so electrician of of, of say 30 years ago would just put um you you know the power and lighting circuits in and maybe an aerial point but we've seen the advent you know the introduction of technologies av systems distributed networks within a home now so things like ip points we've got wireless networks around homes so the electrician has had to to, to upskill to um to you know include these services within his his price within the job because that's what a modern home kind of um requires these days the the, the change has happened over a few years um the, the connected world we've actually you know as good as Deepak mentioned the Googles, the Alexas. that They're already smartly connected to light bulbs, to plug-in sockets, and you've got your, you know, Schneider Electric's Wiser heating app, which controls the heating in the home. So, because we're talking about the electrical infrastructure, and all these devices are controlled, you know, by a, a device, but they have electricity powering them at heart, then it makes sense that moving forward, that the control for all these devices is housed in the consumer unit. So the electrician will, you know, as part of the upskilling, taking on board the new technologies, you know, obviously we mentioned RCDs, RCBOs, arc fault detection devices, which are um, a, a big topic at the moment, which um, again, increase safety for the um, infrastructure and for the house itself and the, and the proprietor. So all these devices will go inside the enclosure along with um, maybe some control and command devices. So when I said earlier about how, the energy that we have in the house has to be used more efficiently. Then we're going to have to have a control device that's going to say, "Actually, we're getting this amount of energy from the from the solar panels." But, you know, there's this much amount of energy needed to charge the car. So it's almost um, you're making almost the start of a smart home, um, but having the, the consumer as the heart of that.
1: I'm going to jump in here, Karen, um, and I'm going to just sort of bring it back a stage and say, well, you've just mentioned so many different um smart or connected technologies that are in the home um and and i i sort of have a question here i'm going to throw it to adam and say adam do you you want to do a poll at this point how many of our electricians in the audience are actually installing surge protection you just mentioned here we've got so many electronic devices so we've gone from the the early to late 80s single socket per room and I, i can remember those days one socket per room. Um, And now you've said, you know, we've got multiple twin switch sockets, you know, every meter or so in the room. So in a, in a room, you might have anywhere from three to six, even more twin switch sockets in a room. And that's because we've got so many of these connected devices, but, but more so, so many electronic devices, And we know that electronic devices are susceptible to to impact, for example, of transient voltages, over voltages. And one of the topics that we we sort of talk about in our industry is surge protection and how important it's becoming, because it's not just about lightning or the threat of lightning strikes. You know, in, in, in the UK, we, we probably don't get as much lightning strikes as many other countries, but, you know, in different regions, we get more than others. Uh, and we can we can start to look at this if we really wanted to on a, a lightning density map, you know, that the information is freely available on the internet. But question I think we can throw out there, and maybe we do a poll. How many of you are actually installing surge protection devices in these consumer units?
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. So I'm definitely going to take this snippet and post it. So hopefully you all look good on camera at that point because I've just got my snippet to promote the show. Uh, So guys, uh, when you are coming back to this later on, uh, what I want to see in the comments for this video is if you are installing surge protection, I want to hear is it you recommend it to the customer or are your customers becoming more educated? And if you're not yet recommending it to your customer, why is there an education gap? Is there some follow-up content that we can do as part of this podcast to help you get more confident promoting stuff like surge protection to your customers? Because to the point that you were just making then Deepak, and again, as a non-Spark, what I was thinking is you're right. There are so many plug sockets in my house and they've all got something plugged into them that is doing something, drawing power. And that, that's only ever going to get, I don't want to say worse, but it's only going to get more demanding. There's only ever going to be more things plugged in requiring more energy. And I guess I'm trying to connect the dots in my head here as a homeowner. And I think to your point, Kieran, is it with all that happening, these are all happening as independent pieces into plug sockets. But what you're saying is we should use the hardware, use the consumer unit as a centralized place that can tell us exactly what's going on in our own homes, what's drawing energy, how to distribute it.
2: Uh, exactly right. I mean, so you think about the the, the energy in a, in a, in a standard home now, there's probably about six, seven, maybe eight products that draw raw power so with things like your oven your electric shower um your iron maybe your cooker and you know as, as just going on to what Deepak said as well everything else that you plug in is pretty much electronic it's whether it's your iPhone charger it's a USB charger it's for your TV it's going to get transformed down so all the uh, the electronics definitely need protection so that's why um it makes sense bringing it back to that consumer unit if all the energy is coming from the consumer unit to supply these products, then that's where the, maybe the control and command and the uh, connectivity should sit. So the, the compact consumer unit um, moving forward, we've got the, 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 um, the, the 10, the 12 and the 16 way variants for the different size of properties. But in, in the future, you know, we maybe need to look at um, housing these additional safety products to make sure that it's in a, a central location uh, within the home.
0: So I think we've had a couple of mentions of this compact consumer unit, but the audience, as well as me on the, on the mics right now, I'm thinking there's lots of innovation gone on, but it, can we just take a second to just drill into exactly what, I guess, the electrician should care about when it comes to consuming it? Like, what are the actual new features of this consumer unit? And respectfully, why does it even matter?
2: Great question. So it, it, it really matters because we have to um, provide a product that is going to allow flexibility for the electrician and for the installation. So historically, um, we have a populated board and the first thing an electrician does when they get a populated board is take the top off and remove all the inners, all the all the devices and the DIN rail and the cables that have been connected in the factory, they're firstly removed. The knockouts are then knocked out. Um, the enclosure itself, the empty enclosure, is positioned on the wall or on the back box. Um, it's fitted. The cables are dressed in, and then we re then we refit the devices. So with the the compact consumer unit. Um, it almost you know the the fact that the attrition takes the products out mitigates the, the point of populating the board so what we're looking at is, is is putting the empty closure on the wall we have a quick release uh, din rail system with keyholes so just um half a turn of the screwdriver will loosen the um the din rail you can remove that take it out of the way the knockouts are, um, are uh, resilient enough not to just pop out on their own but easy enough to 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 open when required, so you're not causing dents to the surrounding um, infrastructure of the board. Once mounted on the wall, as I said, you can refit the DIN rail. Um, as most electricians will do, they'll fit the the main switch first because that will have the 25 mil tails, which are there. Although there are some flexible ones these days, but they are the stiff, normally the stiffest cables in the um, in the board. So you know, it's nice to have a bit of space before you start wiring the devices. Um, and the good thing about this board as well, you can choose how you want to configure it so you can configure it as a um an rcbo so you have all individual rcbos and each circuit has its own 30 milliamp um, threshold so it provides resilience for the um for the design for the installation i always think about the um phoenix nights where the um he was on the stairlift and, and the fuse goes and he's stuck on the stairlift all night well it, it, all joking aside that could have been because something else tripped one of the circuits and because of the arrangement of the circuits it took the other you know the, the circuit that was powering the stair lift eight so what we're looking at doing is, is, is instilling more resilience in the installation and in the design um so the board can be configured for RCBOS um configuration Or it can be done for the more typical split load distribution where we have two RCCBs and a series of MCBs downstream. So that all comes in in, in the one box. So that's the flexibility of configuration. But going back to the main tails, if you have a situation where the existing main tails aren't long enough to reach the left or the right hand side of the board, with our compact consumer unit, you have the flexibility of moving the main switch from either the right hand side, Or the left hand side so it's a completely configurable board um from the three sizes the 10 way the 12 way and the 16 way board you've got a myriad of of different configurations there so it's a case of you know one size could fit all so if you think about a a homeowner if they've a couple have bought their house and that's going to be their forever home and they're going to retire there if they're going to be there 20 30 years they're going to have an upgrade once they may have uh it may have been done back in the 80s and it's due again now um and they're going to have uh all the latest technology and it makes sense to have the latest technology so we're talking about surge protection devices to protect the electronics within the home We're talking about rcbo's giving more resilience to the networks and, and, and potentially having more space or spare space in the consumer unit for that future connectivity which will only just be around the corner and that's something that um that D mentioned earlier with his uh, connectivity in the in the commercial space.
0: So there's a lot of features and benefits there for people that I guess are familiar with Schneider Electric as well. But I know firsthand that some of the some of the listeners of this podcast uh, might not necessarily fit Schneider Consume Units because on this podcast we don't discover your stuff, there's industry news as well. So for someone listening to this and they hear the words easy nine compact, they might think this is a new innovation for you guys. It's brand new and you're just entering the space. What are the foundations that you've built on to, I guess, get key learnings to make a product that is new and helpful compared to uh, your first step into the consumer unit space?
2: So the Easy 9 Compact is an evolution of the consumer unit that's going to prepare domestic environments for the revolution in the electrical industry moving forward. And that's what we talked about the connectivity it's built on the easy nine plus platform um tried and tested it's been out there in the market for many years we have you know the the technology within our devices uh we're one of the leading manufacturers of miniature circuit breakers across the globe and the features that we've built in to the consumer unit have been fed back into us from electricians they've said we want this they said they want that so we've taken a lot of input from electricians to understand what they want and what they need for their installation so they can install a consumer unit with a peace of mind knowing that it's it's from a recognized tried and tested manufacturer
0: And I guess selfishly, I know firsthand because as a company, we help you source the electricians for those focus groups. Uh, And I've been in the rooms and seen the work that you do to truly listen to end user feedback. I remember meeting Deepak the first time, I think it was at our older office, uh, where we had a consumer unit on the table. And everything went above my head, but I saw just how much you guys cared about bringing Sparks within a hand's reach of the unit, saying... What needs to improve. And that was probably two and a half, three years ago now, in terms of when we had that first focus group. Uh, So it's been fun for me to see how user feedback has been like translated into a real product in the market that's ended up in our office that we've been able to have some fun with. And also, for those of you that are aware, we've got this thing called Tool Talk, and we've had these units out in the market earlier than anyone else before any merchants got hold of it. And we've product tested it in live environments. So if you actually go over to YouTube and type in Easy9 Compact Consumer Unit, you'll see real reviews from our trade community, unbiased. And I do strongly say, go and have a look because there's some great content on there. So guys, as we draw this to a close, what is there in the consumer unit space, the evolution of this consumer unit that we haven't covered off or you're most excited about and let's just put a time frame on it. If you had to say in the next five years, what's the thing that you think is around the corner that's going to be the next step change in this space?
2: So the next five years, the step change in this space is definitely going to be um, increased devices within the consumer unit. So the consumer unit will no longer just be a place where the miniature circuit breakers are housed, your, your circuit surge protection device is housed, but we'll have um, some smart technology, some smart um system in there which will understand what's going on with your home and understand where the power is coming from where the power is required it'll make trends of of of, of how and when you use the power so you can make it use that power and energy more efficiently you know it's 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 happening and it's happening a lot quicker than we think so the big change is is going to be technology and connectivity within the consumer unit moving forward
0: i guess from my side is because obviously non-spark. The way the way that I'm hearing this, let me know if I'm wrong, is don't know a date, but cars used to be completely mechanical. No electrical just no computer running a car. It kind of feels like we're going through that space with a consuming it. Is that a fair analogy to say we've gone from something that's purely electrical to now we're adding this extra layer of smart on top of what has historically just been electrical current running through a board. Have I got that wrong?
2: That's a a very good analogy, actually. Yeah, As as technology has allowed us to develop these systems and get them into a a small enough um, device or frame, it's it's allowing us that visibility and that control where we didn't know or understand what was happening before.
0: Nice. Deepak, over to you. Next five years, step change. What are you most interested or excited by?
1: I think it's not even five years, Adam. I think it's happening now before our eyes. I think COVID-19, that, that showed us one one step change. The only positive thing was the uh, increase of digital. You know, we, we, we talked today on digital platforms. What we're seeing is that digitization was already here. It's been accelerated like never before. Um, what we're going to see is that we'll have multiple layers of visibility coming through digitization on electrical systems, so you know Wherever you are, what's happening, when it's happening, you can take a decision before the problem occurs. We're going to work in a very different way. We're going to interact with electrical systems in a dynamic way. its I don't think it's five years. I think it's around the corner. Love that.
0: Guys, listen, you've been absolute stars on this. And hopefully, if you've been listening to this podcast, uh, you've taken away as much as I have. So don't forget to hit subscribe to make sure that you know when the Acti9 Active podcast goes live. Deepak, Kieran, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying this show, please leave a review. Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes.